This Memorial Day, we remember the sacrifice of service men and women for the life of our country. This country was founded, if you remember, where people were looking for a place where they could worship freely. Forces, the American forces who have fought tyranny, terrorism, and oppression, foreign and abroad. And because of that, we have a legacy of freedom. And we owe it to them to continue the legacy that, that was bought for us by men and women throughout this entire, uh, the history of our nation. If you served in any branch of the armed forces at all of our campuses, would you just stand right now at all? Just go ahead, if you served, just go ahead and stand. Amen. We are grateful and honor your life, honor those that served, that didn't make it home. You know, as, as we think of the legacy that we have from the Lord, because Jesus was the ultimate warrior who actually went one-to-one -one against the ultimate terrorist, which was the devil, the ultimate form of oppression, which is hell, and set us free for eternity. So we worship him, amen, and what he did for us. Thank you, Lord. Now, as we are in this series called Launchpad, one of the things that we've realized, achieving liftoff in life is impossible on your own. So we fight for a legacy, we fight for another generation, and literally, we fight for a generation that is more broken than any in our history. Again, when I was a kid, people would drive to high school, and in the back window of their F-150 pickup trucks, would be guns, and no one ever thought that a student would walk out to their car and get a gun and shoot anybody. And today across our land, we're, we, the, the legacy, if we're not careful, is we're gonna leave brokenness in the next generation. And we have the answer. So God, we come to you and we pray for families. God, we pray because it is the ultimate place for us to experience liftoff. We got so many people have grown up in families that are shattered, that are devastated, that are broken, that not only do they not have fuel for liftoff, but they have got ballast and weight and encumbrances that have been placed on them, their biological families that do everything to keep people from achieving liftoff. So God, we know with you all things are possible. We know that you are the great healer, the great uniter. We know that God, you are limitless and have all power. So God, open our eyes and explode our dreams and our visions is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give him some praise every campus. Woo! Now again, this is the series is called Launchpad. If this is your first weekend, this is the last message. And what we, what we learned in the word of God is that God intended us to be fueled by our families. God intended the family to be the foundation of all civilization before there was a church, there was a family. Before there was a government, there was a family. Before there was a, any kind of police officers or army, there was a family. It is the foundational building block, and God intended for us to grow up and learn to love God with mothers and fathers that love God. Amen? And so many of us in the month of May, we have challenged every family with this to ignite and to transform the next generation through liftoff love, leadership, and legacy. 
Now, if it just we had to realize this, that the family is the greatest discipleship tool in the history of the universe. So if you came up, if you, if you grew up in a family that loved God, you're blessed. If you grew up in a family where you learned to walk with God, you are uniquely blessed. If you grew up in a family where that, that is not your history, not your heritage, I want you to know God can overcome. No matter what your launch pad was like, God can overcome. So this is what we're gonna do something this weekend we rarely do, the last two weekends, which this is the second part of a two-part message in a four-weekend series. So if you wanna catch the first part, go online or go to our resource center, get a free DVD or CD, because last week we began looking in the, in, at the life of Jacob. Jacob was a absolute devious deceiver and a divider. Now, what we have to realize is some of us look back and say, I really grew up with struggles in my life because of my family. We're talking about the most famous family in the history of the planet and biblically, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It is. Islam builds their foundation on it. Judaism builds their foundation on it. Christianity builds their foundation on it. So historically and biblically, we're talking about the most famous family, and they're jacked and whacked. It should make you feel better about how you grew up. So we left the story last week. Jacob has stolen his brother Esau's birthright as the elder brother. Then he steals the patriarchal blessing from the father. Esau said, as soon as Isaac, our dad dies, I'm killing you. And Esau was a tush hog and Jacob was a sissy. It says the Hebrew. It's just Jacob was man of the tents. He was a mama's boy. Esau was a daddy's boy. He was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman, big, red, hairy all over. I'm Sasquatch. And so, so we got this going on. And so as soon as Isaac died, his mother sends, sends, um, sends Jacob to go live with Laban. Well, he stays 20 years before he comes back. Why did he stay there 20 years? I'm gonna tell you why. Because lying ran in the family. So he goes, he goes there hiding from his brother, falls in love with Laban's daughter, a smoking hot young thing, goes to Laban and says, I know there's a dowry. What, what, what's it gonna cost me to get your daughter? Now, I like that. I had a daughter I liked that. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I should have got a couple goats and a cow, something I should have got. And so, but, but, and so he says, work for me for seven years and I'll give you Rebecca. So he says, I'm in. He works for seven years. They go through this big celebration. He goes to his tent to consummate his marriage. He wakes up in the morning, horrified to find out he did not marry who he worked seven years for. The deceiver has become the deceived. You reap what you sow. So he's furious. He goes to Laban. He said, dude, what did you do? I worked seven years for the pretty one. You realize what that leaves, don't you? His wife, the one he wanted, the Bible says is beautiful in form and face and had bright eyes. 
Leah had, the Bible says, dim eyes. Hebrew, ugly. <laughs> that offends you. I'm so sorry. The Bible is just honest. And so he goes, I can't believe you cheated me. He says, okay, you don't get, work seven more years and then you'll get her. So he worked 14 years for the two sisters. Now they're both wives. So he ends up, ends up getting most of Laban's wealth. He makes a deal. You know, he starts getting most of the wealth. Now Laban's sons are mad because now Jacob got their two sisters and now he's got their wealth. And so Jacob puts in a beef for Boogie to run from Laban because Laban's talking about killing him. So his father-in-law's chasing him and going to kill him. He's going back home to his brother that wants to. We are family. I got all my sisters and me. Can we just admit families, Jack? Come on, everybody. Man, it's just, it's just, it's just, this is the most famous family. And so we're going to go to Genesis 32. We're going to sort of wrap this story up. While you're turning there, before you, before you get too high and haughty and feel so much better than Jacob, Jacob actually did what most of us do. And that is we want to determine our own destiny. We want to find our own future. And so we tend to take matters in our own hands. Come on. So what do we do? We make life-changing decisions without God's counsel. We get married. We choose a career. We make all these decisions. And then we come to God and say, God, would you bless my mess? Are y'all with me? Come on, we're on real here. First 22 years of my life, I tried to launch on my own. I tried to live on my own. I tried to break free on my own. All I ended up was a drug addict and a dope dealer. Out of being abused as a child, I'm trying to drink away my sorrows. I'm trying to shoot away, snort away, smoke away, stay stoned enough away from everything that had gone on. But can I tell you something? Listen, you, we all experience problems, right? Thinking you're gonna drink them away or snort them away, or smoke them away, or shoot them away, only makes matters worse. Because then when you decide you want to lift off into a great life, not only do you have the previous problems, but now you have the drug and alcohol problems. So we have thousands of families this weekend at all of our campuses who desperately want to achieve escape velocity they want to break the crummy gravitational pull of this world who's trying to draw us apart, who's trying to divide us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He is a divider where God is a uniter. And so what we need is faith in the one, the only one that can transform us and can drive us to our absolute destiny, which was designed by him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I urge you, I'm begging you, brethren, because of or by the mercies of God, has God been good to you? Four of you, has God been good to you? Because of the mercies of God, because God's been so good, I wanna challenge you to present your bodies as a living and holy what? In the American church, if we give God two hours a week, we feel like we have done enough. And we live in a wicked world, an evil eon that's trying to pull us away from God and each other, and instead of, Giving God 24-7, because the Bible says, submit your bodies, present them to God as a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual or reasonable service of worship. Because God has been so good to you, the really the spiritual service or reasonable offering is yourself to God. I do not be conformed or do not be pressed into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? 
minds so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. We've got to get in and get on the new rivers and the new roads. We've got to get in and get what? And get what? On the new rivers. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, our theme verse. God is at work. I'm doing something new. Don't miss it. He has provided rivers to drink from, a provision, and roads of vision for every promiser and every attender this weekend. The problem is, look up here. Come on, look up here. If you're listening, say, I am. We are so distracted by this world that we miss the new rivers and new roads. Is that fair? We're busy, we're busy, we're run, 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 and we forget about God. It's Sunday, oh man, God, we gotta go to church, and we run, run, and we go back, and we dive right back in the world. Now, I'm gonna tell you a story that some of you have heard before, but you've heard Micah or Zach tell this story. The parental version is always the right version. Are you with me? And I'm gonna tell you this because we're gonna find Micah and Zach in the same predicament where Jacob is. Now, when my boys were in high school, they were adept at cutting class. It was a spiritual gift, skipping school. Not everyone has it. My boys were flush with the gift of skipping school. They would get up in the morning, we'd wake them up, get them out to school. Michelle and I would get dressed and head to the office. And as we would get to the end of our road, you turn right to go to Carnes High School, they would go left to the park and park and wait till mom and dad left and they would come back home and get back into bed. That's correct. You, you, you have children too, you see. And so this morning we were almost at to, to the office at church when I realized I forgot something. So I make a U-turn, I go back home. I drive in, there's the vehicle. Oh, wow, look, there's Mike and Zach. This should be fun. So I walk in. I run into my bedroom, I pass my closet door only to realize that looked like Micah hiding in my suit coats naked. <laughs> I look, Micah, flushed with anger because not only is he cutting class, but he's naked with his skankly body against my clothes. And I say, I'm going to kill you. I hope you're saved because we're about to find out because you're going to your eternal reward. As I grab him by the throat to lovingly lay hands on him about the head, neck, and shoulders, he is looking for a way out and says, Dad, Dad, Zach is in the bed. <laughs> to which we did not make the bed that morning. Zach was in the tree position under the covers. Unbeknownst, he would have never even been seen. I slipped all the covers back in their sack, naked in my bed, <laughs> which means I have to burn the bed because they always slept naked. It was horrible. Uh, they're poor wives. And so I'm now furious. I'm about to grab both of them by the throat and choke them out in love. They began to tell me how much they love me, how sorry they are. How, Dad, after work, could we study the book of Revelation? How they will mow the yard and they will wash the dishes, that they will never miss a moment of class. Did they mean any of what they said? No, they did not. They were busted. And that is where we find Jacob. Busted. Father, I want to kill him. 
brother want to kill him. Let's pick it up in verse chapter 32. Now Jacob was on his way. The angels of God met him. See, God will meet you even when you're blowing it. Don't you love that? The grace of God. Jacob said when he saw them, this is God's camp. So he named the place Ma'anaim, which means two camps. Now he could have meant God's camp and his camp. He could have meant Esau's camp and his camp. He could have meant his two wives' camp. He could have meant it's not clear exactly what he means by two camps. What we do know is Jacob feels separated from God, God's plan, and his family. Does this make sense? You ever felt separated from your family or did you ever feel apart from God? Did you ever wonder if your marriage was gonna leak and explode on the launch pad? Do we want children who, who are gonna trust us? Do we, wanna, do we wanna have the faith that we grew up with? Do we want it to be something our kids are gonna follow or jettison as soon as they leave the launch pad? Do we want our home to be a place where church is something that matters or just another busy event in a life that we live with our hair on fire? Jacob felt that way. He felt apart, so what did he do? He began to take matters into his own hands. Look at verse, starting in verse number nine. He begins to pray. Oh God of my father Abraham. I'd just like to have Abraham as a papa. Wow, God of Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, oh Lord, who said to me, by the way, God, you told me this. Return to your country and your relatives and I will prosper you and I'm unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed the Jordan and I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he would come and attack me, the mothers with their children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So what's he doing? He's saying the right thing, isn't he? He's actually praying the right thing. But in some ways, he's a kid who doesn't want to be punished because he's facing a difficult, a difficult situation. And so what does he do? He tries to scheme and con his way out because his name, heel grabber or deceiver, he had been a deceiver, now he's been deceived and he's reaping a life of, of ripping people off. And so what's going to happen next? Look at verse 13. So he spent the night there. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. He's trying to make sure Esau's not gonna kill him and everybody he loves. So he devises a plan. He begins to send gifts in ways, camels and then sheep and then donkeys, 550 animals. Then he sends his servants and says, you can have these. Then he sends his two wives ahead of him, and he said, we are your servants. Now, see, the problem is this. Achieving liftoff in life is impossible on your own. No matter how good a schemer you are, you need God. See, if you want a home where a marriage is going to last and not just survive but thrive, if you want to have a home where your children feel safe to share with you their deepest, darkest secrets and fears, if you want a home that follows the Lordship of Jesus, if you want a home that stays connected and serves in the house of God, in the kingdom of God, then, then if you want a home that's gonna create lift off legacy for the next generation, we're gonna need God because every family is surrounded by gravity that's trying to pull us apart. 
trying to divide us, trying to separate us. Are you with me? I don't care you, all your neighbors, those people that you think their life looks perfect, even them too. Shell and I, 34 years of marriage, three kids, all married, four great grandkids, and yet there are always forces that are struggling to fight against us that want to pull us apart. The, de the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We've watched, if you remember the Challenger, the last horrible episode in NASA that took off and looked perfect only because a leak in one seal exploded and everyone was killed and everything fell to the ground in pieces. So there's Jacob and his family divided, and one of the great dividing forces was fear. So let's go back before he prays the pray, prayer that we just read and see what he says in verse 6 and 7. So he sends these messengers to check and see if it's safe. The messengers turned to Jacob and said, we came to your brother Esau. Furthermore, he's coming to meet you with 400 men. Does that sound to you like a family reunion? No, no, I'm coming to kick butt and take names. I've got 400 of my trained warriors that are with me. And Jacob was greatly what? Afraid and distressed. And he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. Now, fear and division. Then and fear and division today. Does that make sense? Now, dads, it grieves me that 40% of the people in attendance this weekend are female. I mean, 60% are female and 40% are male. That bothers me to the core of who I am. Because we're gonna see in just a minute, Jacob sent his animals, his servants, one wife, and the next wife, all to face his brother, and he stays behind. Like a cowardly weasel. Let me ask you men, are you supposed to be in the front of your family or in the rear of your family? Come on, I can't hear you. The front, you're to take the spiritual leadership. Quit giving discipleship and spiritual leadership to your wife. Quit giving it somewhere else. Be the man of God. Teach your sons and daughters to love God, to fear God, to walk with God. Teach them how to walk in this world. Show them what a real man of God is. Come on, somebody. Because let me tell you something, Dad. Your daughters are going to raise up and marry somebody like you. So you better treat your wife like God said, treat her if you don't treat her right. Tweet her, treat her right. God says, I want to hear your prayers. So you show your daughter how to marry a godly man like you treat her mother. The same way, ladies, you're gonna, your daughters are going to marry men that, and, that are going to treat them the way that your husband treats you and how you treat your husband. So let's be models. That's why I said the home is the greatest tool of discipleship because people do what people see. What you say speaks so loud. What you do speaks so loud I can't hear what you're saying. So we live in a generation now that's afraid of the future, afraid for their grandkids, looking at division. Some are wondering if the rupture in their family can ever even be healed. So people right now in the church in America are afraid for the next generation. Well, let me tell you what God said in 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear. If you're afraid of the future, that's not from God, that's from this world. To rob you of your joy, victory, power, and the overcomer, the overcame by the blood of the Lamb, 
the word of their testimonies, and they did not love their lives unto death. Come on, we are overcomers. We are not to live by fear, we're to live by faith. Are you with me? Because can I tell you, America right now like it is, is light years ahead of the Roman culture who Paul and the New Testament writers wrote in. So let's just quit being afraid of the future. Quit robbing our kids and our grandkids of a future. Let's set a, let's set a lift off legacy for the next generation. Are y'all with me? But I gave you spirit of love and power and discipline. It's only possible with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Would y'all agree with that? And I'm gonna ask you a crazy question, but as you think about it, it's not crazy at all. Now, if your kids are getting ready for school, do you not make sure they have breakfast? Okay, so you ask your kid, did you eat your breakfast? Do you also ask them, have you been filled with the Spirit this morning and ready for the day? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I know it is because we don't even think about it. We're more concerned that our kids are prepared for the ball game, prepared for the test, and eat their breakfast than they are filled with the Holy Spirit of God that will give them the power to walk in victory wherever they go. So mom and dad, you want to raise up, you want to lift off legacy? Teach your kids to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to teach your kids to do warfare? Show your kids how to pray. Pray with your kids and over your kids. Pray together as a family. Is anybody listening? Come on, this is not what we do, is it? Come on, we want to win. So Jacob, Jacob's, it was all about division and fear. See, Jacob did not have the shama. Deuteronomy 6, the most important verse in the Old Testament, uh, uh, said by the Old Testament prophets and by the Lord Jesus himself, because the Shammah was not written when Jacob was here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And you shall teach these things and love your neighbors yourself. And you shall teach these things to your kids when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you sit down to eat, and when you travel. You are the discipler of your kids. You're the one to make sure they're getting discipled. They get a 30-minute small group students on Wednesday night and a 30-minute small group kids on the weekend services. That is not enough fuel to overcome the gravity of this world. The Lord, he is one. Y'all ready for this? You're not ready, are you? Come on. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. So let's go to the end of the story because what does Jacob do? He leaves his entire family and he stays behind and he sends them out there. Verse 32, chapter 32. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for dawn is breaking. But he, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? God asks questions not to know the answer. He knows all the answers. And he said, Jacob, and he said, no longer will your name be Jacob. Remember last year what your call calls you out? Man, God changed his name. No longer shall be called Jacob, but your name is now what? Israel, for you have striven with God and men and you have prevailed. Hero Israel, hero Jacob, hero parent, here next generation, the Lord our God, he is one, and you shall love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and body. Listen, when you begin to meet with God, when you carve out time in your calendar daily, you are winning. Are you with me? You're winning. Your family can win. God can make your family whole again. 
God can heal your family. God can take everyone in your home to a whole nother level of stratosphere and victory and peace if we will surrender. How do we achieve liftoff legacy? We get filled with the spirit of the word of God. I mean, with the, the spirit of God. And then we get in the word of God. Are you with me? See, the spirit of God is not a new river, but for many of us, it is a new river to drink from. The word of God, another river that we drink from. Out of your innermost being shall spring up rivers of living water, Jesus said. The weekend message is not enough. It's not enough fuel. Are you with me? So we got to get in the word of God. We got to get filled. We got to get in and get on because the forces are there to destroy us. Teach your kids. They're going to wrestle with God. They're going to, aren't they? And when they wrestle with God, they're going to lose. And God is going to break them. But in the breaking, there's transformation. And in the transformation, there's blessing and favor and anointing and miracles and God's will and God's word and God's way. In the middle of our breaking, we teach our children to take their fears and doubts and concerns and hope into the arms of the one who died for them on a cross and rose from the grave. Is anybody with me? Come on. Can I tell you something? A planned life is no substitute for a prayer life. Plans are great. But you got to have the power of God. Jacob wrestled with his brother, his brother-in-law, his father-in-law, his father, his wives, his kids, and God. A plan will not fix the struggle. Can we all agree in families there's going to be struggles? But we are not left alone in those struggles that we're facing. And the next generation is not left alone. We've got to teach them to love God, to wrestle their faith down to their knees, to wrestle with God and surrender in prayer. And we've got, to, we've got to show them to get in, get on the new rivers and new roads, to get in all, all that God's doing. Listen, go back and get the devotional book that you began with January. Read some of those things to your kids. Meet with God. Is anybody with me? Some of you came divided. You can leave united. Because God's desire in, with you and our families and our congregations is one of our values. We put God what? First. We put God first in all we do and our families, and our faith, and our finances, and our future. Man, why? Because we want to take the next generation and obey God and help them be a, help us be a launch pad so they can rise up. After wrestling with God, look at verse 29. Then Jacob said to him, please tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the name Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life has been preserved. And let me tell you, the truth is there's a God. He's in heaven. He's got a plan for your life. You may, conf you may be confused. You may be angry. You may, you may be struggling with doubts, with an addiction. Maybe your family's falling apart. But I'm telling you, in the midst of that mess, God can give you the power to launch to a whole new level because God is limitless. You say, you don't understand my wife, my husband, they're done. Can I tell you, God can bring them back and give you not only can you survive, but you can thrive. Are y'all with me? We serve a God that can. And that's why he sent his son. The greatest mission was not Apollo 13. The greatest mission was God sending his son for us so that we can have a relationship with him. So if you're ready to open your heart up and have a brand new life, a brand new transformation, if you're ready for a brand new start, then it's time to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So on all of our campuses, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna lead us in a simple confessional prayer. If you're ready, pray this prayer with us. We're gonna pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned 
and that we're separated. I need you. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my master. You died for me, rose from the grave. Now I will live for you. Help me love you above all others. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people at every campus said, come on, give him praise. Woo! Had him been great this Memorial Day weekend, if you just prayed that prayer with me, pull the card out in front of you online, click right there, go to the chat room, and just give your name, email, cell phone, check the box right there, I prayed with the pastor. The next box, I need baptism. If you've not been through our Next Steps experience, help you just get more connected, fill that out. It's the second weekend at every campus. Put in the offering buckets as they come by. By the way, guests, all we ask is the guest card. We don't care about your money. We want so much more for you than we want from you. Just drop those in. That's all we ask. But as we get ready to enter into the worship of giving, because giving is worship, because of your generosity, because you give week after week promisers, I want to show you a couple of pictures of a village that was without water. Now, 11% of the world's population is without close or clean water. They have basically no access. You provided the funds, the villagers provided the labor, and let me show you what happened. As you guys gave the life-giving water to this village. Come on, church. Way to go. Way to go. And so many of you have given online already. That's great. It's how Michelle and I give. It's easiest for us. It's the first thing that comes out of our check. He said, bring the first tithe to the storehouses. So that's what we do. Others of you give in the kiosk or you send it in or you text it in. But as the buckets are passed, drop the, drop the cards into it. And we're thrilled. Again, guests, we don't care about your money. I'm going to pray and the ushers are going to come forward and we're going to keep funding the vision of changing around the corner and around the world. God, thank you for promisers who have been generous for the life of this church. Thank you for people that are beginning the generosity journey. Their faith is gonna soar as they walk in obedience to you. Take the offering. God, we pray you'll bless the gift. We pray for everyone you'll bless the giver and you'll use it to make it hard to go to hell from around the corner and around the world. We love you, God. It's better to give than receive. You gave and so we give. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give him a shout as we get ready.